Father, thank you so much for the love that you have poured out upon us. We sing each week, we sing each day, we come to you in prayers, we seek your guidance and your wisdom, and yet we are never able to fully grasp the love that you have for us. So Father, we pray that you have been listening to our hearts today as we have been rejoicing with Mason's baptism, as we have been reflecting in the bread and cup, as we have been challenging one another, encouraging one another as we have uplifted your name and praise. Father, we love you. We can't say that enough. I pray that we would understand your love more fully so that we might be able to share your grace with all those who are around us. So in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to echo what has already been said, how that today has been a wonderful, wonderful morning already, and I appreciate so much you being here and being a part of, of what's taking place, and I pray that the time that we spend together, that it's going to be beneficial for you, and that you're going to be changed because you have been here today, and you're going to be different this afternoon, and you're going to be... You're going to be different tomorrow, and this week is going to have a different perspective for you, all because of the time that you have you've spent here today with, with friends and family, with, with strangers, and you have, been, you have been hopefully moved closer to God. Your focus has been drawn more tightly on Jesus Christ, and man, it's just been wonderful to see the, the way in which, whenever we come together, have you noticed the... The way in which oftentimes our services move from you have these peaks and then you come down and, and up and down and how your emotions are, are, are moved. Um, when you see a baptism like Mason's and you want to go, woohoo! And then you hear about the sacrifice that gives meaning to that baptism. It... it it gives you a somber feeling and a, a weight that comes upon you because you begin to think about exactly what it was that our Lord went through so that the celebration could take place. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, we are told that because of the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And the question you might ask is, what joy... What joy could come from those things that Paul was sharing when the anguish and the pain and the answer is Mason. That's the joy that comes. You are the joy that comes as men and women from all backgrounds, young and old, come to a point of faith and belief and say, you know what? Jesus is my Savior. So for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. It's not only on Sundays that we woohoo with baptisms. Uh, just yesterday, Alex Bailey was baptized. You might remember that we showed a slide uh, a few weeks back that Alex's sister, Abby Kate, was baptized. Well, we got a slide for Alex here, I believe, coming up where his grandfather was able to uh, baptize him into Christ yesterday. And uh, we're excited about that. Alex is a part of our children's ministry. And um, Mom Gina and Father Roddy, I know, are excited about that. And I'm not for sure if Alex was able to be here with us. Alex, are you here? If, are you here? No? Let me see. There they are. Awesome. Woo! Way to go, Alex. 
You moved on me, man. I couldn't find you. Usually right over here. Uh, a quick story about Alex. Last summer, I had a series, and in that series, I had a lesson that was called Three Words That Will Change Your Life. And I told everybody that, look, when you're going on vacation, just listen, and um, if you're going to have to be gone, pull us up online, and you can listen and find out what three words are going to change your life. Well, it just so happened that the Baileys were going to have to be out of town that weekend, and Alex made sure that his family pulled everything up online so they could listen. They were about in Valdosta, Georgia, and Alex told his family, I know what the three words are. Alex is awesome. Yeah. Hey, you are awesome, man. And I appreciate you sharing these pictures with us and so thankful for your confession of faith in Christ. Guys, there is grace for the real world. That's what we've been talking about all summer. Grace for the real world where the rubber meets the road in our life. And I'm so glad that we get to have moments that are the highest of highs because let's just be honest, there are so many times in our life where we experience the lowest of lows. You know, we live in a hurting world. We live in a hurting world. So many things that go on just rip at your heart when you read the newspaper, when you pull up your online Twitter feed. All of a sudden, you get all of this information that begins to just come to you, just loads of it over and over again. And it seems like every day there's a new pain that is being brought for your knowledge. I know that many of you followed the situation that was going on in, in Iowa and have, have grieved with the family there as a young life has been lost. You have you followed the news reports of shootings and deaths in Chicago. You have been praying for those who live on the island of Hawaii with the different storms that were coming along with the hurricane. Your, your heart has been stretched and pulled and broken even because of events here within our very city of, of hurt and pain and loss. And I know that within our own congregation, just within the last couple of months, just within this summer, we have had, we've had individuals who have cried at the bedside of their spouse. We have had individuals who have said goodbye to parents. We've had individuals who have been diagnosed with just terrible, terrible illnesses. And it's just a reminder that we live in a hurting world. But, but I want to give you some grace this morning. I want to give you some grace and I want to start with a passage that was brought to us by one of our elders a few weeks back. Bob White stood before us and offered prayer for our congregation and and he read from Isaiah chapter 57, beginning in verse 1. It says, The righteous perish, and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away, and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace, and they find rest as they lie in death. We live in a hurting world. But church, you and I, we have grace for this world. We have hope for this world. We have a message of peace for this world. And this is a world, and we live in a town, and in a city, in a community, in a state, in a country that is crying out for something that is positive, to know that there is something more than just this life that we have. 
Just this existence that we're going through and just the heartache that oftentimes we feel. You know, oftentimes you hear people say it's a fallen world and evil just happens in a fallen world. And we try to remind individuals that the final judgment, justice will be done. Oftentimes we look at individuals going through difficult circumstances and we say, you know, I'm sure that, that God has a purpose for all this and everything works together for good. And all those answers are fine and dandy. But those prepackaged responses, it just doesn't seem to fill the bill when it's your child that's missing. When it's your spouse who left. When it's your best friend who's in the accident. When it's your parent who's dying. And when it's you who feel like you've lost everything. Suddenly when tragedy knocks on the door of your life, all the theological reasons for evil don't really matter that much anymore. It is during that time of pain and confusion that we need to know that there's grace. And more importantly, there is a God behind the grace. There's a passage and story that is listed in your Gospels, John chapter 17. And in it is a picture of the hurt that is present in the world. Where you have someone who has died and you have the community grieving because of the loss. You have so many questions that are being asked. And then you have the grace of God coming and appearing and changing everything. John chapter 11 a close friend of Jesus has become sick. In fact, message comes to Jesus that the one that he loves is sick. Here's something I'd like for you to write down in your glory, praise, and honor if you'd like to. Even those closest to God have to live with tragedy and loss. Those who are closest to the Lord still have to go through times of pain and hurt and you think, well, maybe it should be differently. That if you were close to God, that, that things would work out all right. And, and, and the children would be fine. And, and your job would always be there. And there would always be enough money at the end of the month. And, and there would never be any reason for tears. And there would always be someone to sit with you at the lunch table. And there would always be someone to say goodnight to in the evening. It just doesn't make sense how those who are close to the Lord still have to deal with this. Yes. And yet that's the situation. Despite the close relationship Jesus had with Lazarus, he was sick and dying. And friends, just because you walk with the Lord does not mean that you personally will not experience tragedy. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. And so many of you, you already know, you're, you've experienced this and maybe you're living in it right now. I talked with... One of our members recently who said, you know, it's just, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem right. I just seem, I seem lost. I seem lost. I'm sad. I cry a lot. I said, but I've got a lot of good friends. I've got a lot of good friends who are beside me and I know that God is with me. But it's just hard. Those closest to God still have to live with tragedy. And so it offers you two choices. 
See, there are times when you go through periods of pain and loss that you can easily just choose to question and doubt and, and blame God. Why wasn't God here? Or why wasn't God listening? Why didn't he answer the way that I wanted him to answer? Why couldn't he have given me just one more year? Why couldn't we have had just one more month together? Why couldn't there have been one more Sunday that we could have rejoiced together? Here is how Martha put it to Jesus. She said, you know what? If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus showed up. He was three days late on her calendar. He said, you know what, Lord? If you'd have been here, I don't think this would have happened. And I know that there's this tendency that we have where all the questions just come in and we don't have the answers. And oftentimes we look heavenward and with, with as much faith as we can muster, we just can't help but ask, Lord, why? And where were you? And why didn't you act mightily? And especially when all of a sudden you turn on the television or you hear from a friend and there is this praise that's being offered because they say, look how God acted mightily in my life. Look what God did for me. Look how he rescued my child. Look how he healed this disease. And you wonder, what did I do? What did I do? Apparently I did something and, and you don't listen and, and you're not here and you don't act. I said two choices. The second is that times of tragedy and loss actually produce opportunities to grow closer to the Lord. It happened in our story here in verse 45. It says that many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did. Because you've heard the story, right? How that Jesus comes and there are mourners all around and the question comes to him, you know, if you had been here and then a, a theological discussion goes on between Jesus and Martha about resurrection and, and Jesus then calls forth Lazarus. And Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb and he is alive and he is healthy and he is vibrant and there is rejoicing. And the text says that because those who saw what Jesus did, it says they believed in him. They believed in him. Because they saw the way that Jesus... They saw the way that Jesus what? See, you say, well, they saw the way that Jesus brought him back to life. You understand that Lazarus died, right? You understand that even though Lazarus came walking out and they took the grave clothes off, that Lazarus did not live forever. He's not your next door neighbor. He's not working at Starbucks. And I know he's not in Seattle with Elvis. Elvis is there, but Lazarus isn't, all right? And so, Lazarus dies, so yes, he's brought forth, but, but then, okay, he's still going to die. And it says they saw what Jesus did and many believed in him. And maybe you look at it and you say, you know what? They believed in him because of the resurrection and the power and the miraculous thing that he did. And I'm sure that is part of it. But I also think that there is more. 
I think one of the reasons that belief came, and maybe something that you need to hear this morning, if you're in the midst of tragedy and loss, and you're struggling between the two choices of doubt and belief, you need to hear this. God cries too. He cries too. You see, John records for us in verse 35 that when arriving at the graveside of his dear friend Lazarus, that Jesus wept. You know, there's been many reasons given over the years as to what caused this expression of emotion from Christ. And personally, I just like to think that when Jesus wept, he was saying to us, I know what grief is all about. I know what pain is. I know what it means to be separate from someone that you love. And I know this is not how it was meant to be. And I understand how awful that death is. And I know that, that the hurt, and I know that the, the anguish and the sorrow that you're feeling right now is so extreme. And it comes out in our Lord in emotion. And I just want you to think about it. If you were there, and if you were watching... And you see Jesus as he approaches the tomb. And before he ever calls out with a commanding voice and tells the soul and body of Lazarus to unite once again, he just sits there and cries. Just like you do. Just like you have. Just like you are. And many who saw what Jesus did that day put their belief in him. And that's what I want to call you to do this morning. I want to call those of you who are parents and you're crying over your children to put your belief in a God who cries too. I want those of you who cry because you have said goodbye this summer to your your husband to your wife, to put your faith in a God who cries too. I want you who have said goodbye to mom or dad to put your faith in a God who cries too. Whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, whatever the loss it is that you have experienced. And maybe it's not something that has happened this summer. Maybe it was last summer. Maybe it was a year ago, two years ago. Maybe it seems like it was a lifetime ago. But you still sit here going back and forth between doubt and faith. Will you put your faith in the God who cries too? A young boy was sent to the corner store by his mother to buy a loaf of bread. And he was gone much longer than he should have been. And when he finally returned, his mother said, Where you been? I've been worried sick. This was before every child had a cell phone and had the little chip implanted and GPS tracking. Where you been? I've been worried sick. And he said, Well, I saw one of my buddies on the way home and he was on the side of the road and his bike was broken down and he was crying, so I stopped to help him. His mom said, you don't know anything about fixing bikes. He said, you're right, I don't. So I just sat down and cried with him. 
Church, every now and then, we all need someone who will just stop and cry with us. And that's why I believe that God has called us to cry tears of grace. He's called us to cry tears of grace because of the injustice that we see in this world. He's called us to cry tears of grace because of the racism that's still present within our society. He's called us to cry tears of grace because of just the anger and the vitriol that we see being leveled at individuals. All because someone might vote differently or believe differently or live differently. He's called us to cry tears of grace because there are churches that you have members that won't speak to one another, won't even stay in the same room and worship. He's called us to cry tears of grace. Because as he said one day, looking out across the crowds, they were harassed and helpless. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus would ask that a prayer be offered up. He would tell his disciples that you know what? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, they are few. He's saying it's a hurting world. And there are people who are struggling, who are just trying to hang on, who are crying out for help. And he says, we need somebody to go into the harvest field. We need some workers somewhere, someone, anyone who will go and cry tears of grace with those who are hurting so. And so he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The focus of Jesus' words are on empathy. The workers were expected to confront evil and pain. It was a call for mercy as Jesus looked out, just as he did looking at the tomb of Lazarus. It says this is not right. It's not how it was meant to be. It's because of the sin that's present in this world. And something needs to make an impact right here and right now. And I'm coming back one day, and when I do, it will all end, and I will make all things right. But until then, he says, church. Until then, he says, followers of mine. Until then, he says, disciples, if you love me, then be God's grace for the real world. Be God's grace for the real world. You be my hands, and you be my feet. You be my spokesperson. You be the one that stands up in the face of injustice. You speak out when there is unrighteousness. You hold up the arms of those who are tired and beaten down. You care for those who are poor and needy. You run to those who are seeking me. You be the first to step where no one else is willing to go. You be God's grace for the real world. That's been the message all summer. That somehow the message of God would flow through us and impact those that we live beside, those that we work with, those that we eat with, 
those that we worship with, all those that we would call friends, and even those who we would call enemies, that God's grace would be seen through us. We are grace for the real world. Father, I thank you so much for the trust that you have in your children. For how you have seen the pain and the sorrow and how you sent your one and only son into the world so that sin might be confronted, so that victory might be had. And Father, you have promised that there is coming a day when all of the hurt and all the sorrow and all the anger and all of the death and all of the destruction, that it's all going to end. There's coming a day when you tell your son to go and to retrieve his bride. And it's going to be a day of great rejoicing. It's going to be a day when every knee shall bow. And everyone confess that Christ is Lord. There's coming a day, Father, where all the tears are going to be dried, where all the heartache and pain is going to be relieved, and where there will be no memory, there will be no thought of what has happened before. And yet, Father, until that day comes, you have said that you have put in this world light a light that shines in the darkness a light that is to be seen and a light that is to drive out evil and heartache and pain Father may that light shine from us may we be the instruments of your grace may we be the carriers of your love may we share the good news of Jesus Christ May we be individuals that live in a way that shows others that even though this is a hurting world, that there is grace. Father, I don't know why you trust us so, but we commit ourselves to you today to being the people that you've called us to be. May you give us grace and may we share it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you like to respond to that grace this morning? Maybe you want to be baptized just as Mason was. Maybe you need to come saying, you know what, I just need people to wrap their arms around me. I need somebody to let me know that I'm not crying alone. Whatever your need is, whatever your concern might be, we're going to have a couple of our elders that will be down here at the front to welcome you. We'll have an elder that's also in the back if you'd prefer to go to our prayer room to have a private time of, of reflection. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to come as together we stand and praise our God.